Hi, my name is Lydia. And I'm Emma. And we're the hosts of Holy Ship. We are passionate about creating a space for women to talk about sexuality, their bodies, and all things relationships. We think that for so long, Christian spheres have often failed to address these topics with women in a healthy, shame-free, and open way. So welcome to Holy Ship, where we address all the taboo topics in a way that is honoring to you, your relationships, and God. Welcome back to the Holy Ship Podcast, everyone. Today we are back with Sarah Fox. Sadly, Emma is out sick. Um, so it's just Sarah and I today. But Sarah is a Christian woman with the desire to encourage others to stay pure and hopeful in a world that says otherwise. She's a graduate of the King's College with a BA in politics, philosophy, and economics. She also works as an assistant community manager in the real estate industry. She loves journaling, performing, spoken word, and reading comic books. Deadpool, Black Panther, and Batman are her boys. She is the host of a mental health podcast called Rough Edges, where she shares about her faith and her mental health journey. For more information and updates, you can follow her podcast on Instagram at rough.edges.podcast. And she also has a blog where she writes encouraging messages about womanhood, relationships, and justice. And you can follow her on Instagram at sarah.i.fox for more. And we've actually had Sarah on our podcast before, but this was before she had her own podcast. So we're so excited to have you back, Sarah. Yeah, thank you so much for inviting me back. It's so good to be back. Yes, and it's so funny. We were talking before we started recording, but the first time we had you on, I think it was our first or second season. And yeah, second one. You had like just started talking about starting Rough Edges, and now you have your like full blown podcast. So this is just so exciting to have you back on and be talking about mental health and physical health and dating today. So this just should be a great episode. Yep. So can you tell us a little bit more about kind of yourself in the context of why you started Rough Edges? Yeah, so in January of last year, I got diagnosed with bipolar disorder, specifically bipolar one disorder, which is a mood disorder and it's really more severe on the spectrum. And so I had a manic episode in January and in the context of me dealing with this mental illness, I decided to start Rough Edges in November of last year. And what really inspired me to do so was my passion for not only like guiding people on their own mental health journeys, but also to raise awareness about mental health issues as a whole. Because I, when I first got diagnosed, I was like kind of confused about what to do next and like how I was going to operate at a different level of functionality and just how my life was going to look like post diagnosis. So I decided I don't want anybody else who's just getting diagnosed and, you know, just trying to learn how to navigate life with a mental illness. I don't want them to feel as confused as I was on my journey. So I wanted to start a podcast to talk about these issues and to talk about my own story to kind of help other people along that path. Oh, that's so cool. And, you know, obviously, I mean, Sarah and I have been friends for a while now, but especially since she started the podcast, I have really wanted to do an episode on chronic illness and mental illness and how like that kind of impacts like dating, uh, both like in relationships, but then also just like your desire to date or like the like hesitancy behind that. So that's kind of like what we're going to dive into today. 
and Sarah will be covering more of like the mental health and I'll be covering more of the chronic illness, physical health side of things. So yeah, I'm really excited about this. Um, so I guess just kind of as like the first question, I, I'll ask you this and then I can kind of share my like answer behind the like chronic illness part of this. But do you think your mental health has held you back from wanting to date? Um, I would say that my mental health hasn't held me back in terms of like wanting to actually go out there and date. The hesitancy that I come across with this is just like having people be as open as I am or as open as other people like my friends who I've told and everybody else who's closest to me as being like as open as they were when they heard about my story. Because I recognize that not everybody's going to have an open mind when it comes to mental illness, especially specific ones like, you know, the more major ones like schizophrenia and bipolar disorder Mm -hmm. and PTSD, those things have like a stigma attached to them. And a lot of people like either, I'm not saying through any fault of their own, but some people just don't have like the education behind it or even like the understanding that comes with somebody opening up about having one of these mental illnesses. And so, yeah, my area of being hesitant with dating is just that, are you going to be understanding about this or are you going to stigmatize me just like the rest of society will, you know? So that's where my hesitation comes from with dating. Yeah, I feel like that's so hard, especially because I feel like now you don't just like meet people in person, especially like post COVID. So you don't really know how people are going to take it. And like, especially online dating, it's like, well, just like pick it into (laughs) blindly into a bag. (laughs) What we get. (laughs) Right. So I think for me, just like kind of preface this, because I haven't talked about this a ton on our podcast, but I have one, I have an autoimmune disorder, but then I also have like a problem with my nervous system. So I have like kind of like a whole slew of like medical issues, but I'd say like the biggest part factor for me in all of this is I suffer from like really bad chronic fatigue. And so like Mm -hmm. some days I just like stay in bed all day and like, luckily I work from home so I can like, like work in bed, but like, I Mm -hmm. also can't work out because of my medical issues. And if anyone is on hinge right now, at least in New York city, I swear, like everyone is looking for like a workout buddy or like, that's like a qualification in their like hinge profile. they would be like, I need a spontaneous girl or like all this stuff. And like, I think of myself as like pretty spontaneous. Here's the thing. I plan, I plan things very far in advance into a T so that I can be spontaneous for certain (laughs) portions of time. (laughs) So maybe I'm not spontaneous more I'm thinking about this, but I think like it's been like really discouraging for me and has held me back not from like wanting to date but from like putting myself out there or like feeling like I can date because I like so like deeply do desire to like be in a relationship and like eventually to be married Mm -hmm. but like right now like I feel like because I do work from home like I really do not meet any men like (laughs) I really don't. (laughs) And so I've been like on hinge a lot and it has been like, I feel like almost every profile that I would be like, Oh yeah. Like maybe I'd go with them is like, I'm looking for a workout partner and like make like working out can like literally cause me to go into like heart problems for like several weeks. So like, 
Mm. can't do that and then also like just the energy like some people are like I want to go skydiving and hiking and I'm like (laughs) no (laughs) No (laughs) and so it's it's been very discouraging and I think like lots of times it's like me holding myself back in it and I think like obviously once I got to know like a person it would it would be like a little different you know but I feel like it's like hard for me to like put myself out there because of that yeah, no, I, just to touch on like what you said about you holding yourself back, because mm-hmm. a lot of the times it's just like a mind game when we're going yeah. into this. It's like, you know, you don't know what the other person's going to think of you. And they might have those same like anxiety where mm-hmm. they're just like, I don't know what she's going to think of me. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of the times we get into our own heads and we don't really just give it a chance or take the person as they are mm-hmm. in terms of like you know what they're showing us what their first impressions are like we just you know get so anxious about it and mm-hmm. it's just like it's no pressure you're going on a first yeah. date you know mm-hmm. <laughs> like <laughs> so yeah. it's like if we take the pressure off of ourselves and just lean into it knowing that okay this is an experience I'm gonna have this is a person I'm gonna meet for the first time and this is just going to be, you know, a, a lesson that I'm going to learn in this moment about this person and just take it as that new experience instead mm-hmm. of taking it as something that's like pressure inducing or something that's like going to change the course of your life forever. Yeah. Like, no, it's like you're literally just going out for coffee or dinner or something, you know, mm-hmm. like it's kind of inconsequential in the grand scheme of things when yeah. you think about it. So like, you know, just go out there, have fun and, you know, get to know the person for who they are instead mm-hmm. of like what you think they're going to judge you as. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I think kind of to that point, sorry, I got to readjust myself over here. Um, kind of to that point. So I was like, just like down in the dumps one day and I reached out to someone who's like, I think like 11 years older than me. And she's in my autoimmune support group. Because, you know, we got to have support groups. <laughs> no, I feel that. And basically, I was like, how do you navigate dating? I was like, I'm always tired. Like, I, I was like, I don't, I don't have the energy to date. And basically, she was like, Lydia, like, one, she's like, your limits, like, you're putting limits on the other person's, like, kindness and, like, understanding. And you're, like, making a judgment about them before, like, they can even, like, show you understanding in that area. But then also she's like, you also have so much to offer just like from your couch, you know, she's like, you can like, like you can date in a way that's like easier for you than like also like traditional or even like, yeah, like you don't have to go hiking like or skydiving, like there's other (laughs) things to do. Um, Yeah, I feel like that was really helpful just like having her honestly just like remind me that like people are a lot more understanding than you like give them credit for. And yeah, last time it is just me holding myself back. So it's Same a fun here. one to work through. <laughs> <laughs> kind of like along the like last lines. Um, how like are you thinking or how have you brought this up in dating? So for me, I haven't actually gotten a chance to bring it up during mm-hmm. dating because like while I was dating before I didn't have this diagnosis Uh so (laughs) it was a lot easier to you know be a little bit more vulnerable and kind of talk about nerdy stuff and like you Mm -hmm. know hobbies that I enjoy doing but 
now in the context of having this diagnosis, I've realized that I have to be wise about how I bring it up. So it's not just like, oh, hey, I have this mental illness called bipolar disorder and uh, that causes me to have manic attacks and, you know, all that other stuff. Yeah. And it's going to be like, whoa, okay, that was heavy. Um, But you got to be, you know, wise about how you tell it and who you tell it to. Because for me, I don't think that's a topic for the first initial date, you know, Mm -hmm. like if we decide, okay, I want to get to know you better and let's go on more dates and, you know, the dating gets a little more frequent, then I would decide, okay, this is a part of myself that I want to share with the other person instead of like feeling the pressure of like, okay, I have to bring this up. uh, Otherwise they're not going to know the real me. And it's Mm -hmm. just like, no, they can know who I am outside of like my diagnosis. Because what I say all the time on my podcast is like, your diagnosis doesn't define who you are as a person. Mm -hmm. So that doesn't have to be the first topic of discussion that you bring up on a first date. But if I, in the event that I do have to bring it up, I would bring it up in the form of like a question to Mm kind of gauge their awareness. It's like, Mm -hmm. Um, I would start off by saying mental health is something that's really important to me. And then I would be like, specifically, what, how much do you know about this particular mental illness, you know, Mm -hmm. to kind of pose it as a question and kind of gauge where they're at, you know, in terms of like, no, they can know who I am outside of like my diagnosis. Because what I say all the time on my podcast is like, your diagnosis doesn't define who you are as a person. Maybe I should bring this up about myself or maybe I would just bring it up about the podcast in general and be like, hey, I have a podcast about mental health and I love talking about it, especially with my experiences with mental health and then kind of pique their curiosity a little Mm -hmm. bit. So if they do listen to the podcast, they're going to be like, oh, she has bipolar disorder. (laughs) (laughs) Like You know, so it's kind of like, Uh, it's kind of like me being like transparent but also Mm -hmm. in a strategic way so that it doesn't close the person off Mm -hmm. in terms of like how much I share but it's also me sharing a part of myself that's important to me without putting those difficult parameters on the conversation initially Mm -hmm. yeah it actually kind of reminds me of our episode on emotional boundaries um, cause Carissa, she said a line and like, uh, this is actually like really stuck with me since she said that, but it's a privilege for us to share our story and for like someone to like receive that and like kind of gets to protect that with us. So like, I really like how, like you have like this plan of like the question, like all of this stuff, because it really, it like protects you and like, it is a privilege for them to hear your story. And so like making sure you do that in like a way that's like safe and honoring to you is so important. Yeah. So for me on this one, I actually have a funny story to go along with this because I went on a date recently and um, it did not go as planned. Um, (laughs) So I, part of my medical, part of my medical problems, I pass out a ton. And Sarah, I'm sure you know this because we went to college together and I would be like in the hallway conked out sometimes. Um, But... (laughs) I pass out quite a bit. It's very normal for me. I'm like so used to it. However, 
when you see someone pass out, apparently it's concerning. I've actually like really never seen anyone pass out, but people freak out and they call 911. So I do have to warn people that if I pass out, like they can't call 911. Like I'm not trying to pay for an ambulance today, you know, and I'll be fine like <laughs> 10 seconds afterwards. So it's hard. <laughs> Sorry. It's hard because I do normally have to warn people on the first date. Normally I can like tell if I'm going to pass out or not. Like sometimes it's like, yeah, I don't know. So I'll be like, Hey, um, just so you know, I might pass out at some point. Like I'll like normally like be able to like tell you, but like I might pass out. And like, if I do like, just leave me there and like, wait for me to wake up and I'll be fine a couple seconds afterwards. And I'm like, do not call 911. And I have to emphasize that so many times and they still call Mm -hmm. 911. But basically I'm going to tell a story and then I'm going to get to a more serious part of this. But I, this was like a day, it was like 96 in New York. So much like this week where it's like hot. And this was like in that weird heat wave we had in like June where I was like, what is happening? And I met this guy in Hinge and we were going to go on a date and we we're going to meet in Bryant Park. And I hop on the train and it's like hot in the subway platforms. Like it is significantly hotter in there than it is outside. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like drenched in sweat. And I was like, you know what? This man's just going to see me sweaty and like it can only go up from here, you know? So I take the subway, subway breaks down. And so I'm like four stops away still. Mm. And I was like, you know what? I'll try the local train. So I run up these like four flights of stairs. It's up the 59th street station. So it's like, it's a hike run up the stairs. That one says it's delayed 20 minutes. And I was like, oh my gosh. Well, they said the like express should be running soon again. So I run back down the stairs. That one's delayed. I run back up. I was like, you know what? I'm just going to walk at this point. Like I'm not going to get any less sweaty, you know? I go up and then I see like the trains coming. I was like, oh, actually, you know what? We're just going to wait for this one. Hop on the train. And I just did a lot of running. And again, I can't work out with my heart. <laughs> it does yeah. very bad things. And so I'm like, my heart rate's at like 180. And like, it's like pretty high, but like, it's not like too high for me. So then like I get out of the subway station, I text him. I was like, okay, I'm walking to Bryant Park now. So I'm walking there and then I'm standing there and he's not there. And I was like, dang like my heart feels like really funny but I was like Lydia like keep it together like you don't have time to pass out today and I'm standing there and I do like a little EKG like on my like heart monitor Mm -hmm. and my heart rate's just going like every which way like super sporadic and I was like oh gosh like I'm about to pass out pass out in Bryant Park I wake up there's ambulances everywhere there's like people like all these tourists huddled around me And I was like, oh my gosh. I was like, I don't even like know if he's like in the crowd of people. Like I have like no idea how to like, whatever. So I'm trying to fight off these EMTs and be like, I like, no, I will go home and drink water, but like, I'm not going to the hospital. So I'm fighting off these EMTs and I text my friend. I was like, and I give her his number. Like I send her his contact. I was like, I'm fighting off EMTs right now. I need you to tell this man I'm not making it to this date. It's like she had to call him, whatever. We ended up having a FaceTime date afterwards when I got home and like got settled and he like sent food to my apartment and like, it was like actually like super precious. Um, it didn't work out for like other reasons, but one that date didn't go as planned, but he definitely showed himself as a very caring person. And mm-hmm. you don't always know how people respond to that, but on a more serious note of like how I bring up like more like serious medical issues that I have, I think this has actually changed over time because I used to like tell like anyone and everyone about my medical problems and like might as well get it out of the way you know what I mean Mm -hmm. but more recently like honestly like within the last year I think like it's just like 
the weight of like how much like it affects my life has like kind of like hit me and I'm like mm-hmm. oh like I actually don't like know if I want to share this with everyone um or at least like right away you know and so kind of having like that change and so recently when I've been going on dates and like the like subject will come up or like you know they do ask me to go like hiking or something so many hikers in the city and I'm like where are you guys going hiking right it, like <laughs> makes no sense to me um <laughs> it really doesn't um yeah, like last times I'll be like, oh, like I actually like can't because of medical problems. And like some of them will like ask more questions. And it kind of depends on like what date I'm on with them. Like if I like think it's going to go farther or not. But lots of times I've had to be like, oh, like I'm actually like not like ready to like talk about like all my medical problems. But like just know like I can't do this. And, like lots of times like I have like really bad fatigue or whatever. Um, and yeah, like some of them like push it a little bit more and other ones are like, oh, okay, like cool. Yeah, it's like tell me when you're ready um yeah yeah no it's good to pose it as a question like mm-hmm. hey if I had well not if I had this but it's like how much do you know about this particular thing uh-huh. you know and just try to gauge like where they're at because mm-hmm. it's not your job to educate them or be like yeah. the sole source of information because you're not the poster child for like chronic illness or mental yeah. illness like it's not your job thank goodness <laughs> right <laughs> but like it's not your job to like educate everyone mm-hmm. but at the same time you know like in your situation it's just like hey I you know I have these medical issues that prevent me from doing xyz mm-hmm. and um in my case it's just like I have um, some mental health issues that I'm working through and you know I might get triggered if this is brought up in conversation Mm -hmm. or you know just kind of make them aware of it without going into too much detail because um like you said earlier your story is it's a privilege for them to hear your story Mm -hmm. and how much of that story that you divulge to them really depends on you and what Mm -hmm. you're comfortable with you know and it's it's important not to put yourself in an uncomfortable position especially when you're meeting someone for the first time, because that's not only going to make you feel awkward, but it's going to make the conversation and atmosphere feel a little bit awkward. And then that's going to set the tone for the rest of the evening, you know? So, you know, just guard your heart and protect yourself, be vulnerable, but not vulnerable to a point where you're feeling overexposed. Mm -hmm. I'm actually curious after like finding out and kind of working through that you have bipolar, what are qualities now that you want in a significant other? Ooh, that's a great question. Just for me, <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? Um, but for me, I would say a person that is open with uh, mental health issues is a must because if they don't have that level of understanding and it doesn't have to be like, oh, I understand everything that you're going through at every given moment. Like, I'm not asking for that. I'm just asking for a little bit of openness, you know, or just like a little bit of understanding where you could say, okay, I see you. I understand what you're going through. I may not be able to empathize on the same level as your experience, but 
I can kind of imagine what it's like to go through something like that. So my first quality would be uh, behind like them being a Christian and mm-hmm. them being faithful and having a sense of humor, um, just you know, having that understanding about mental health issues would be very important to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, another quality I would say is just open communication. Um, that's really important, especially when dealing with uh, triggers or dealing with uh, different types of episodes. Because mm-hmm. for bipolar disorder, you can have a depressive episode or you can have like a manic episode or you can even be in like hypomania, which mm-hmm. is like the middle ground. It's kind of like a mixed episode where you feel both you know, happy and sad. Mm-hmm. And that can be very confusing um, to like the, an external view. And so you want to be able to have that open communication where you can say, hey, here are my triggers. Um, A manic episode looks like this or a depressive episode for me looks like this. And you can kind of paint a picture and tell them like, hey, if I if you see these signs, that means I'm in a state of mania or if I act this way. I'm in a depressive mood and here's how you should go about handling the situation. Mm -hmm. Because what that does is it, it sets a precedent for the person to know how to treat you and to know the level of commitment that they would have to you in terms of like respecting who you are, respecting your triggers, not to overstep their bounds because you know, having open communication helps you set proper boundaries in relationships. And so I would say that's another quality that I would have in a partner now that I have this diagnosis. And the last thing I would say as an added measure in terms of like um, preferences that I have in a partner is really just doing your research. Like, are you willing to do the research Um, about this mental health issue because I'm not asking you to be a mental health aficionado I'm not asking you to go become a psychotherapist or get a PhD in Mm -hmm. psychology like that's not what I'm asking I'm just I'm asking you to just have a general knowledge of like what it is that I'm struggling with and some solutions to how to best you know, communicate with me, um, how to treat me, how to, you know, respect, like when Mm -hmm. I say, hey, I'm having a bad day today, I think I'm pretty depressed, like, you know, I need some space, like, Mm -hmm. being able to respect that, and being able to say, okay, she's probably in a depressive state right now, here's what I have to do to kind of make her feel a little comfortable, or I need to give her some space, Mm -hmm. or, you know, just have that open line of communication. So doing your research, being open about mental health issues and being open with your communication are three things that I would say have been on my list of criteria for a potential partner. So I really like that you said do your research because I've actually never thought of that before. And I think I've always kind of chalked that off as like a caring person. Um, but it makes me think of, have you seen that? I think it's an Instagram and TikTok account of this couple where she has 
like really bad PCOS. And her husband was like, started researching like everything about it. And he was like, I'm going to do everything in my power. It's like, like do what I can to like help her feel better. So he started like making all of this food that's supposed to like help women with PCOS. And so like, he started this little account of like all the food that he's making her and like all this stuff. And they ended up like getting pregnant, like at the end of like the story, but it's like so precious. And like, he did, he did his research and he's like, how can I like best support her? Like through like my knowledge and like everything, like I can like tangibly do. And I think, I don't know. I've never really thought of that as like doing research, but like, that's so interesting. I feel like so needed and helpful. Yeah. Yeah, because really like if you that. if you don't, there's one, there's a difference between being unaware and um, just like being ignorant. Because <laughs> it's just like, how are you supposed to understand your partner, yeah. especially when they have like a chronic illness or a mental illness, or they have certain cultural aspects to them yeah. that you may not know or be familiar with. How are you supposed to walk alongside this person? Because when you get into a relationship with someone, you guys have to live together as a unit. Like you guys are unified Mm -hmm. and you're going to have different life experiences that you now need to bring together in order to, you know, live, you know, in a unit. So when you have those different experiences, if you don't know, then you should you know, look it up or maybe ask the person and being like, hey, you know, you mentioned this thing about yourself. I would like to know more. Or is there a way that I can, you know, gain more information about this? Because I really want to know more about you. And that not only shows the other person that you care about them, but it also shows that you are willing to educate yourself and to bring awareness about these issues to even other people in your circles. Because a lot of the times it's like when you have a partner, they teach you stuff about their lives, but you can also teach it to other people. Mm -hmm. So that way, when you're faced with a situation where your partner may feel offended by something that someone else said, since you have the knowledge, you could be like, hey, that was pretty offensive, you know, Mm -hmm. and you may not have known it. But, you know, according to this culture, like this type of thing is offensive, and you get to continue on the educational Mm -hmm. cycle, you know, so doing your research is like, you know, really important. And again, it's not being like, an aficionado or like a professional with a PhD in this subject, Mm -hmm. but it's just learning the basics, you know, like when my partner is having a manic episode, this is what it looks like. So I know, okay, these are the signs. This is what it looks like when it's more severe. So I can know, okay, she needs help. Um, I need to call 911. Um, She needs to be hospitalized at this Mm -hmm. moment, or she's in a very severe depressive state. just even getting to know like their psychiatrist or their doctors or their medicine and the side effects, like knowing all of this is really like not only helpful, but it also shows that, okay, in a case of an emergency, I know what to do. And I know how this is, how this person is affected by what they're going through. Mm Because especially with mental health, it's just like, it's something that's so delicate that at any given moment, yeah. something as little as being triggered in this moment 
can turn into something so severe. So it's really important to know these things so that when those severe moments do come, you know how to handle it and you know, okay, this is like a side effect of her medication or, you know, this is just how she has been because she hasn't been taking her medication. And, you know, so you can spot the signs and really do preventative measures, but also to do, you know, re reactionary measures if, if the time comes. Yeah. Yeah. I guess like in your like dream scenario, what's like a good way that you would like want someone to respond? Mm. I don't know if that sentence made any sense, but. <laughs> no, no, no. That's a great question because it's just, it's so unpredictable at times because mm -hmm. you never know how the other person is going to react because it's really heavy. You mm -hmm. know, it's, it's something that's so personal, so intricate, so delicate that you're just like, how do I respond? You know? Mm -hmm. And so when you pose that question, it's just very important to think about, but in a dream scenario, I would say the first thing that you can say to a person that you know told you that they have a mental illness is how can I learn more about it like what would you say are the fundamental characteristics of this mental illness and how can I learn about you know the specifics of it you know that would be the first thing that you say because that not only shows that you're open and willing to learn more but it also shows the other person like, oh, it's okay for me to keep talking about it. And it's okay mm -hmm. for me to give you more details because you want to know more. And you can also kind of, you know, be a little bit more specific when you say that. Um, so that way it doesn't turn into them giving you super details yeah. where <laughs> yeah. it kind of makes you feel weird. And it's like, oh, why did I ask? But uh -huh. um, just either you want to say like, can I get a general idea? or where can I go to learn more? That would be, you know, something that's important. Another thing you could say is, I understand. Mm -hmm. Now, it doesn't, simply saying I understand, it doesn't have to dictate your level of understanding because let's yeah, be real, yeah. like, it, unless we experience something personally, we can never like fully understand what the other person is going through. But just by saying, look, I understand, or I see you, mm -hmm. that kind of validates that person and lets them know, okay, this person really does have some level of care about what I'm talking about and what I'm dealing with. And that would also encourage you to give them more information and to share more about your history with this illness or, you know, just your story and how you're, you know, overcoming it. Yeah. And I, lastly, I would say in like my dream scenario of how somebody should respond, I would also say that saying that I'm here for you is another way to kind of validate the person and make them know that you are there. And even if it's like the first date or the first couple of dates and you, whenever you decide to tell mm -hmm. them about this, just having the other person say, I'm here for you. And it's kind of, it's like really general. So it's not like, okay, I'm here for you every waking moment, or I'm here for you, like, 
yeah. you know, an unhealthy amount. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> it's just letting the person know like, hey, if we're going to be serious or if we're going to be in a committed relationship, I'm going to be with it. I'm going to be with you in it for the long haul, you know? Mm -hmm. And that's just showing the other person that you're willing to be there for them even while they're dealing with this. So just to recap, um, saying that you're saying that you're here for them, saying that you understand, and also how can I learn more? Those are the three ways that I would respond to someone who, you know, told me that they're having, you know, dealing with a mental illness. Yeah. For me, it's like definitely similar. I think asking a question just like about how that like I'll say like practically like shows itself in your life or like Mm -hmm. affects your life. Um, And just like, I guess like just one, like the interest in getting to know how it affects you more, I think is kind of like the key, like behind that question, but then also just like having them ask how best they can support me like in that. And then like, again, like just like expressing interest in like wanting. Yeah. I guess like, just like learn more and then also like how they can, help you and like support you and like walk alongside you in that it's kind of like the two key pieces for me and like a like dream response yeah a kind of long last question um how do you best feel supported with regards to your mental health so for me the best way that I feel supported is when it's just knowing that I have that open communication with somebody that I can be able to tell them what I'm going through. Because for me, it starts with like me telling you what it is that I'm dealing with, because you're not a mind reader. If you don't know what I'm dealing with, how can you help me? How can you best support me? Mm -hmm. So, but if I don't know that I can have that open communication with you, it makes it harder for me to be able to tell you, okay, this is what I'm dealing with. And these are my triggers. And this is how I act in this particular circumstance. So the first thing would be having that open communication, as I said before, and knowing that, okay, in any given moment, when I'm feeling this way, I can let the person know. And I also, it's reciprocal. So Mm -hmm. me letting them know, and also them letting me know, because sometimes when you're in the situation, Mm -hmm. you don't know how you're perceived by other people yeah so I do this with my family members all the time where I tell them okay if you see anything like if I'm acting weird or acting out of the norm then I usually Mm -hmm. am acting please let me know yeah because you know that could indicate okay I need to change something about my treatment plan or I need to adjust certain behaviors Mm -hmm. in order for me to get better So if we have that reciprocal relationship where I'm telling you, hey, these are my triggers and these are the signs. And then in turn, you tell me, hey, you told me that this was a sign. I've seen you do this like three days straight. I'm concerned. Like what's going on? You know, Um, that's that's the first thing. And the second thing I would say is just allowing me to have bad days. Because a lot of the times, um, especially when uh, you told people that you have a mental illness, people expect you to 
constantly be getting better or mm-hmm. constantly be healing. And it's just like, they don't expect you to have bad days where it's like, I don't want to heal right now. I don't want to go to therapy right now. Mm-hmm. I just want to be alone. And they don't understand that. And they immediately think, oh my gosh, something must be wrong. Mm-hmm. Oh, like we have to call this person. We have to do this. And it's just like, no, I, I'm having a bad day. Let me yeah, just yeah. sit in this emotion and feel it. And then I'll get back to you, you know? Mm-hmm. So now if I'm in crisis, that's where the signs come in, where you're just like, okay, I know the difference between her just having a bad day and her being in a crisis. Mm-hmm. So yeah, just like understanding that I'm gonna have bad days. I'm a human being, I'm not perfect. And some days are just gonna be better than others. That's yeah. life. So yeah, just understanding that I'm gonna have bad days sometimes. And then lastly is don't don't try to shame me for a behavior that looks weird or just like different triggers that I have. Because certain times, especially when you're trying to create boundaries in relationships, people take it a certain way. And sometimes they would try to shame you. And sometimes it could be unintentional, but sometimes people would try to shame you for making those boundaries. Mm. And with mental illness, it's like when you understand what your triggers are, it makes it a little bit easier to set boundaries. But a lot of the times it will cause you to push certain people away or it would cause you to be like, hey, we can't talk about this because it's triggering me. And it's gonna make some people feel uncomfortable, especially when you're telling them, okay, this could trigger me into having a manic episode or this could trigger me into having a panic attack, you know? Because let's be real, people don't wanna be responsible for Mm -hmm. someone else having a panic attack, you know? Yeah. So it's gonna make them feel a little uncomfortable when you're like, hey, I have to set this boundary because what you did and what you said triggered me. And I don't want to be triggered right now. So I'm going to have to distance myself from you. It's not anything that you did or anything. It's not about who you are as a person. It's just what you did in the moment kind of just sparked something in me. And I just got to distance myself from the situation. So just knowing that, okay, this is something that's important to her. This is something that's due to her mental health issues and something that this person has to work through, just know, okay, I'm not going to shame her for it. I'm not going to be like, oh, well, it's your fault that you got triggered in the first place. Mm. Like, no, that's, that's not the reaction to have (laughs) Um, in the moment. But, you know, it it makes you feel uncomfortable and it makes you feel defensive, Mm. especially when it's somebody that you're really close to. Um, Yeah, just don't shame me for it understand that I'm going to have bad days and um, have that open line of communication. That's what I would say. Yeah. So good. I think for me, feeling best supported is honestly just doing life together. Mm -hmm. And I think like, instead of like one, I like actually hate going out to dinner for dates. Just so I know if any guy interested (laughs) in me is listening. Um, But (laughs) sometimes like it's like harder for me to get energy to like do certain things and so like just like 
maybe for like our like quote unquote date, like we just go grocery shopping or we bring my laundry to the laundromat or like different <laughs> things where it's like we can still spend time together. Right. But like it's like actually like helping me get something done. You know what I mean? And we right. can spend time together like doing that or like going for like a walk or like like different things like that. Um and yeah, genuinely just doing like life together. Like, yeah, like you can sit there. I'm gonna vacuum though. Like, you know, yeah. stuff like that. Well, thank you, Sarah, for joining us on this episode and just being a fount of endless wisdom over here. Um, it was such a great time talking with you. Um, if anyone wants to find her, they can find her at rough.edges.podcast or at sarah.i.fox. And as always, if you have any questions, comments, or concerns, you can either DM us at theholyship.podcast or email us at theholyship.podcast at gmail.com.